So Ephesians chapter 6 at verse 23, this is God's holy word. Peace to the brothers and love with faith from God the Father and the Lord Jesus Christ. Grace to all who love our Lord Jesus Christ with an undying love. And that's where our reading ends this morning. At the recent Banner of Truth Pastors Conference, every attendee received a gift. Uh, Sometimes it's a, a book, often it's a book, but this year it was a pair of solid hardwood bookends. Uh... Very, very nice, heavy, solid, beautiful bookends. They're heavy enough to support all the books that they hope people would buy in the bookstore. But it's that imagery of bookends. And sometimes you hear that language that is sometimes used to describe pieces of writing. That in something that's been written, it's written in a way that there are bookends in the writing. And it applies here to the letter to the Ephesians. We read the last two verses. But listen to how, if you can remember all the way back or just flip in your Bible, the first two verses of Ephesians. Paul, an apostle of Christ Jesus by the will of God, to God's holy people in Ephesus, the faithful in Christ Jesus, grace and peace to you from God the Father and our Lord Jesus Christ. And now the last two verses, peace to the brothers with love and love with faith from God the Father and our Lord Jesus Christ, grace to all who love our Lord Jesus Christ with an undying love. You see, there are bookends here. They're very similar. This is how Paul says hello and goodbye in his letters with what is called a benediction, a benediction. Uh, that word means to, to speak well, to, to say something good. A more common word, perhaps, is a blessing. He says hello and he says goodbye with a blessing. And so if we think of it that way, all that we've gone through here in Ephesians, everything that he's written, blessing surrounds it all. Blessing encircles all that Paul has written. A blessing or a benediction is a very solemn thing and serious thing in the Bible and in worship services. At the end of our worship services, we have a benediction. And it's not simply a way to say uh, the service is over. It's a very significant thing. We heard from Numbers chapter 6 the significance of benediction or blessing. When after that well-known benediction, the Lord bless you and keep you, we read in verse 27, God says, So they will put my name on the Israelites, and I will bless them. It's God putting his name on his people. Boys and girls, I wonder if you've ever put your name on something. At home, maybe. 
Maybe it's your baseball glove. Or maybe it's your own personal journal or diary, and you've put your name on it. Could even be that you get some secondhand shoes at the thrift store, and it has someone else's name on it. We put our names on our things. But a benediction is God putting his name on his people. It's God saying, these people belong to me. And we have a special name. We're Christians. We have the name of Christ on us and on our lives and all that that means in light of all that he is and all that he's done. And God says, I will bless them. I will put my name on them, and I will bless them. Benedictions, you see, are parallels. They are reinforcements, in a way, of baptisms. Go, therefore, and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in or into the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit. It's a parallel to baptism, a benediction. God's name being upon someone or being upon a people. And so we see this letter to the Ephesians ends with a benediction, with a blessing. And this benediction at the end of Ephesians has some unique features. There are many benedictions recorded in the Bible. This one has some unique features, so we're going to break it down a little bit. And this morning, consider the very first part as we think of the blessing of peace, the blessing of peace. And then from these, from verse 23 especially as well, the source of peace and the recipients of peace. The blessing of peace, the source of peace, the recipients of peace. Well, first, the blessing of peace. Isn't it amazing that there's blessing at all in this world? or in our lives. We take too many things for granted. We all do. Isn't it amazing that there is any blessing at all? God is a God of blessing. He didn't need to create or to make man or put him in a beautiful garden or enter into a covenant of life with him, but he did. He blessed Adam and Eve, and they enjoyed peace, outward and inward blessing, prosperity and wholeness. In the Hebrew language, that all-embracing word shalom. But Adam wasn't satisfied with God's blessing. Wanted more. Wanted to be God. And in sin, he exposed himself to God's holy justice and wrath. And he became God's enemy and lost true peace in every sense. The word peace in the Greek language comes from a root word meaning to join together. Union after a separation. In the Bible, then, peace is primarily a cessation of hostility between God and man that sin, Adam's sin, brought into this world. We need to remember that primary sense of peace. 
outward peace and prosperity, even inward calmness and serenity that people may have without or apart from peace with God is shallow and short-lived. Proverbs 17, 1 says, better a dry crust with peace and quiet than a house full of feasting with strife. You can, your life can be filled with all kinds of good things, but if there's strife, it ruins it. Well, how much more if people are living lives with strife or enmity against God and with God? Better a dry crust with peace than a house full of feasting with strife. But you know, people, and I speak to them sometimes, people say, oh, God and I are okay. We're cool. Sheer irreverence. Sometimes. God and I are cool. Well, according to whom? According to you or to him? That's the question. People need to remember there are two witnesses. The first witness is Scripture. They dress the wound of my people as though it were not serious. Peace, peace, they say, when there is no peace. Are they ashamed of their detestable conduct? No, they have no shame at all. They do not even know how to blush. The first witness is Scripture. The second witness is their conscience. They show that the requirements of the law are written on their hearts, their consciences also bearing witness, and their thoughts sometimes accusing them and at other times even defending them. But our conscience accuses us. People try to shout down their conscience in all kinds of ways, but everyone knows there is no one righteous, no, not one. Romans 3 says of the world, the way of peace they do not know. And so let me ask you this morning, how is it with you? Can you say that you have peace? I'm not talking about some psychological remedy or accepting yourself or self-generated serenity or an outwardly undisturbed or even prosperous life. The Bible always speaks first and foremost about peace with God. As your pastor, and I hope as well as your friend, I care about your health and your circumstances and your families and all the other relationships that you have. But my calling is to be concerned for you as I ought to be concerned for myself most about this. Are you right with God? Are you right with God? And then, are you growing and maturing in Him? That's what Paul says in Colossians 1.28 of his work as a pastor, really, that we may present everyone fully mature in Christ. To this I strenuously contend. 
To this end, I strenuously contend. Do you have peace with God? Can you rest in peace at night? Are you reconciled to God and is God reconciled to you? Will you rest in peace? You walk through any cemetery and it's filled with those three letters, R-I-P. Rest in peace. But of how many is it really true? There's a rich man that Jesus talked about in the Gospels who had everything the world could offer. But one thing he lacked, peace with God. And eternity made that clear to him. And there was another poor man, wasn't there? Another man, a poor man named Lazarus, who was poor and sick and forgotten by everyone except the dogs that licked his sores. But he was at peace with God. And eternity for him was blessed. It was perfect shalom. The first mention of the word peace in the Bible is God speaking to Abraham about his death. You, however, will go to your ancestors in peace. What a blessing to be at peace with God. Why why doesn't peace with God yield more peace in our lives? It should. It should. It's because on some level, we haven't really understood that our sin and condemnation should have been and ought to be our greatest fear. And God, the judge, ought to hold the greatest fear in our lives. But when that has been dealt with, when we are reconciled to God, that should bring the greatest comfort. And peace, no matter what else is happening in our lives, I'm right with God. And all that that means then, being a child of such a father in heaven, that's why peace with God, peace with God, translates into peace from God. A contented calmness, an anxiety-curing, heart and mind-guarding peace that is beyond understanding. Philippians 4. Had an email this week, a prayer request from an American congregation for a lady named April Watson. I don't know how many of you might have received that. Young wife and mother diagnosed, body just full of inoperable cancer, months to live. What a sad email to read. But an email that was woven through with peace because they, she was at peace with God. And so was her husband. And it was amazing, as sad as it was, it was amazing email to read. The world at the time of the Apostle Paul knew about peace in one sense. They were always hearing about the Pax Romana, the, the peace that the Roman Empire brought that Roman rule of law and might imposed. But even an unbeliever at that time, Epictetus, 
who's a Greek Stoic philosopher. He was born in 50 AD, just right around the time of the writing of the letter of Ephesians. He said, while the emperor may give peace from war on land and sea, he is unable to give peace from suffering, grief, and envy. He cannot give peace of heart for which man yearns more than even for outward peace. Peace is a great blessing. We desire it ourselves and for our children and for our neighbors and for our country. But we need to note carefully what Paul says. Paul loves these people. Even in chains, he's thinking of others and wanting good for others. Calvin said, let us learn to serve God in such a way that even to the end of our life, we may have a care for our neighbors also and procure their welfare as much as we can, even as God requires us to do. Paul could desire blessing for these people. Blessing and peace. He could work for it in some ways. He obviously did. He was concerned that Euodia and Syntyche weren't at peace, those two sisters. He wanted to see them at peace. Paul was a peacemaker in that sense. Paul could write about the blessing of peace, but Paul himself could not give it. People can be used to be a blessing to others, but we cannot ultimately bless other people. The source of peace is clear here, isn't it, in verse 23. Peace to the brothers and love with faith from God the Father and the Lord Jesus Christ. It's important always to remember these are not just Paul's word. This is God's word. And God's word points to God first and foremost. It points us to him. What is the source of blessing and peace? It is divine. It is from God. God, who is the just judge, who could rightly curse, is himself the only source of blessing. Peace, Paul says, from the Father, God the Father, and the Lord Jesus Christ. There's a, an equality of the Godhead hinted at here in the grammar. There's only one from. There's only one word from. From God the Father and the Lord Jesus Christ. They're connected with that one preposition. It shows their equality. But obviously there's a distinction as well. The Spirit is assumed here as the bringer of blessing, the conveyor of blessing. Blessing from God the Father, he's the only, it must come from God, but blessing from God the Father is only through our Lord Jesus Christ. The God-man in all of his offices as the Christ, prophet, priest, and king, the Jesus who saves his people from their sins. We need to understand this so clearly. Calvin said we can enjoy not one drop of spiritual gifts, except they flow down upon us through our Lord Jesus Christ. The source of peace comes through the person and work of Jesus Christ. I'm increasingly surprised, increasingly surprised, and then at the same time saddened by Christian things that I can go to, supposedly Christian things, and there's a lot of mention of God and little to no mention of Jesus Christ. You got to watch for that. You got to watch for that. We don't just have some kind of relationship with God. 
We have a mediator. There is only one. The God-man, Jesus Christ. People talk too much about God who don't know the Lord Jesus Christ. We need to always, always, always emphasize that the relationship we have with God is through the Lord Jesus Christ. He was pierced for our transgressions. He was crushed for our iniquities. And the punishment that brought us peace was upon him. By his wounds we are healed. The great substitution of the gospel. John Stott said helpfully, the concept of substitution may be said to lie at the heart of both sin and salvation. For the essence of sin is man substituting himself for God, while the essence of salvation is God substituting himself for man. Man asserts himself against God and puts himself where only God deserves to be. God in Christ sacrifices himself for man and puts himself where only man deserved to be. Man claims prerogatives which belong to God alone. God accepts penalties which belong to man alone. Christ redeemed us from the curse of the law by becoming a curse for us. For it is written, cursed is everyone who is hung on a tree. So you see, it's only by being united to Christ by a living personal faith that anyone can really enjoy peace. Since we have been justified through faith, we have peace with God through our Lord Jesus Christ. We're going to consider more of faith, love with faith next time. But the source of peace is Christ, God in Christ. Jesus, the Jesus who said, peace I leave with you, my peace I give to you. Not as the world gives do I give to you. Let not your heart be troubled, neither let it be afraid. If we have any peace that is desirable, said Matthew Henry, God must give it, who is the author of peace and the lover of concord. We shall neither have peaceable dispositions ourselves, nor find men disposed to be at peace with us, unless the God of peace gives us both. From God the Father, and from the Lord Jesus Christ. But lastly, just looking at from God, but for whom? Who are the recipients or the blessed, uh, the receivers of peace? Peace to the brothers. And of course, that's a catch-all. That's a shorthand. Peace for the children of God. Peace for the brethren in the old language. Includes the sisters too. Paul here in this blessing stresses the reality of the spiritual family of God. That's to whom the peace belongs. The spiritual family of God. It's a reminder for those who may be tempted to idolize earthly families. This is a blessing. This is peace that only belongs to the spiritual family of God in the true adoption of grace by the Spirit in Jesus Christ. And I think this stress on the family of God also is a comfort for those who are alone in this life 
in human relations for one reason or another. Jesus said he came not to bring peace but a sword. Sometimes a man against his father, a daughter against her mother, a daughter-in-law against her mother-in-law. Man's enemies will be the members of his own household. There can be all kinds of ways that we may find ourselves separated or alone in this life. But there's another family. It's the family of God. Family of God. It's a reminder to pray for peace, for gospel peace, for sin-separated families. But the church is God's true and forever family. Those who through faith show themselves to be adopted by the Spirit of God in that household and family of God, the church, Ephesians chapter 2. The invisible church. The true children of God. And I think perhaps that Paul says, brothers here, peace to the brothers is significant. He didn't say, although it would have been true, the Spirit doesn't say peace to believers or peace to Christians, but peace to the brothers. It's peace with God, but it's peace among ourselves. Surely there's a, there's a call in that word brother to seek peace among ourselves. Genesis 13, 8, Abram said to Lot, let there be no strife between you and me, nor between my herdsmen and your herdsmen, for we are brothers. Peace to the brothers. I think I've told you before, there were times when in my family the brothers weren't getting along very well, and we were acting out that in all kinds of ways that weren't good at all. And so often, my mom or my dad would just say this, boys, your brothers. How convicting that was. Even on an earthly level, boys, your brothers. Well, doesn't our Father in heaven say that to us so often? Need to say it to us so often. When he looks at the church, he looks at our congregation, and he would say, as it were, children, your brothers, your sisters, should be very convicting to us. Be completely humble and gentle. Be patient, bearing with one another in love. Make every effort to keep the unity of the Spirit through the bond of peace. And we need to remember, this comes, remember, after Ephesians 6, we're in a spiritual battle. We're in a spiritual battle, and we should be a band of brothers then in battle. We should and we need to stick together in this spiritual battle in which we're engaged. What a blessing, though, to know and to be able to live out more and more Holy Spirit peace from God the Father through our Lord Jesus Christ that will bring peace of mind and will work toward peace with one another. Let the peace of Christ rule in your hearts. Since as members of one body you were called to peace and be thankful.
Let the peace of Christ rule in your hearts. The word rule, I've mentioned it before, means to arbitrate, or we could say to be the umpire. The CCS ball tournament was just last weekend. You know, people look to the umpire to make the call. But in the church, there's only one call. Peace. Peace. Am I a member of God's family? Member of the body of Christ, then I must be striving for gospel peace. Not at the cost of truth and of godliness, of course, but where at all possible is my goal, peace. If it is possible, as far as it depends on you, live at peace with everyone. Well, this is how God, through the Apostle Paul, says hello and says goodbye. Peace to the brothers. Through God our Father and our Lord Jesus Christ. May the Lord of peace himself give you peace at all times and in every way. The Lord be with you all.